Welcome to another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study, a teaching podcast from Faith on Hill Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. My name's Adam, and while I put 20 minutes on the timer, why don't you open your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 9. Well, last time we were together, the people had asked for a king. Israel was supposed to be ruled as a theocracy. That is, that they were ruled by God. And God gave them his laws and his commands, and he spoke to them through his prophets. However, the people said, we want a king so we could be like everyone else. They have leaders, and they have rulers, and they have people they can get behind, and we want that just like everyone else. And that's a dangerous place to be when I just want to be like the world. Now, I think some people get weird about things and, you know, they say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to dress like it's 1950 or 1850 or whatever, you know, like, please, you know, don't be silly. But the idea that we just want to be like everyone else. In fact, I've seen this in the church where some people think that the church should be basically structured and run based off of the United States constitution and the, uh, the three branches of government. And that's how churches should be run. Now, the, the Constitution is fine, especially now that we've amended it a bunch of times, and it's a perfectly fine way to run a country, um, and, and I like uh, the three-branch system, all that. But that's not what God's given us for the church. And if we think, I want to run everything just like everybody else does, that's a dangerous place to be. But now we enter the permissive will of God, because God has a perfect will. He has a perfect plan, and if we followed that plan, everything would go right but we don't. And God has permitted us free will. Like there's times where I give my kids a choice and I say, all right, you can do this or you can do that. It's your choice. And one's good for you and one's not as good, but they make the choice. That's me permitting them agency. And God has permitted us agency, free will. And so we enter the permissive will of God. This is what God has said to do, But in God's allowing us free will, we go the way we want. And so sometimes God will say, all right, that's the way they have chosen. It's not the way I would have wanted it. But since I'm permitting them free will, Samuel, this is what you got to do so that they can make their choice. And so he tells Samuel to go and anoint a king. He says, go and give them a warning. This is what a king will do so that they know full well what the consequence of their choice is. You should know what the consequence of your choice is. But since Samuel, they've made that choice, go and anoint a king. So verse 1, chapter 9 says, There was a Benjamite, which is one of the twelve tribes of Israel, a man of standing whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, son of Zerar, the son of Bekorath, the son of Aphiai of Benjamin. Kish had a son named Saul, as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel. And he was a head taller than anyone else. Sounds like a good leader. He's handsome, he's tall, he's young. Oh, sign, you know, Saul for president. Verse 3, now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. And Kish said to his son, Saul, take one of the servants with you and go and look for the donkeys. So we passed through the hill, uh, the hill country of Ephraim through the area of Shehalish, but did not find them and went to the district of Salim. But the donkeys were not there and he passed through the territory of Benjamin, but could not find them. Then they reached the district of Zuf. And Saul said to his servant who was with him, come, let's go back or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. Now that's true. He's, he says, you know what? We are more important than the donkeys. They're important. We want to find them, but we've been gone for so long that he's going to start to think something happened to us. So let's go back and ease his mind. That's what Saul's saying. 
But the servant replied, Look, in this town there is a man of God, and he is highly respected, and everything he says comes true. Let's go there now, and perhaps he will tell us which way to take. Now that's good advice. Not that we need to go to people to go to God for us. I do not believe in the idea of priests. I am not a priest. I believe if you go look at the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, you will find that every woman and man who serves Jesus, who's a true believer, is a priest in his royal priesthood. And that we don't need somebody to go to God on our behalf because Jesus is our high priest and through him we have direct access to God. I reject the idea that I need to go to somebody or that somebody needs to come to me and that I will pray for them and then go to God on their behalf. I'm happy to pray for people. I'm happy to pray with people. I I love to, to join with people together. Let's together go before God. But I'm not a priest and neither is anyone else. And and with all due respect, and I have met some of the uh, Catholic and and Orthodox priests in our area, and I think very highly of them as people. I've met them and, and enjoyed the conversation. But they are not priests, and I reject that. I don't need them to go to God for me. Nobody needs me to go to God for them. But the advice is, hey, here's, here's somebody who God speaks through. Let's go and talk with them. How does God speak to us? We've got this problem. Saul's problem is the donkeys. Can't find them. And, and we go, well, yeah, but the livestock, agrarian society, this is like I can't find uh, the deed to, to, you know, I can't find the deed to my car. Or I can't find uh, important tax documents or I've lost $1,000. This is that kind of thing. And he says, let's go talk to this guy. I've got an issue. This is something I can do, by the way. As much as I reject the idea that I'm a priest, I do believe that God has raised up elders in the church who have callings and giftings in, in the word of God and the scripture. And so I, I'm happy to pray with people, to pray for people. I'm happy to talk through with people what the scripture says and what God wants. And that's what the, the servant's saying. Hey, there's a prophet down here who speaks for God. Let's go, he- let's go talk to him. And there have been times where I am just like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I've just stopped. I prayed. I went to God. And then I've said, you know what? Is there somebody that maybe God's going to use to speak to me on his behalf? And so maybe I call up uh, another trusted Christian, uh, somebody who, somebody who's walked this path before, um, who, who, who has something that maybe they could speak into my life for God, you know, and, and speak something of God into my life. So Saul said to the servant, if we go, what can we give the man? The food in our sack is gone and we have no gift to take to the man of God. What should, what do we have? We don't have a direct equivalent to this. The most I could say is that, you know, yes, the church supports me to do ministry and, and there, I, I believe that's an okay thing to do. Moving on, verse 8, the servant said, Look, I have a quarter shekel of silver, and I will give it to the man of God so that he will tell us what way to take. Formerly in Israel, if someone went to inquire of God, they would say, Come, let us go to the seer, because the prophet of today is what used to be called a seer. Good, Saul said to the servant. Come, let us go. So, that, uh, so they set out for the town where the man of God was, and they were going up the hill to the town, and they met some young women coming out to draw water, and they asked them, Is the seer here? He is, they answered. He is ahead of you. Hurry now. He has just come to our town for today, for the people have a sacrifice at the high place. As soon as you enter the town, you will find him going up to the high place to eat. The people will not begin eating until he comes because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterwards, those who are invited will eat. 
go up now and you should find him about that time. So they went up to the town and as they were entering it, there was Samuel coming towards them on his way up to the high place. Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, anoint him ruler over my people Israel, and he will deliver from them, uh, he will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked on my people and their cry has reached me. So God told Samuel, hey, tomorrow at a certain time, you're going to meet somebody from the tribe of Benjamin and that's who you're going to anoint king. Does God do that today? Maybe not in this specific way, but in general terms, yes, I believe that is true. Um, I have seen it and experienced it in my own life and heard it from the testimony of other people. That there have been people who have said, you know, I just felt led I was supposed to go to this place and I don't know why I'm here. And then while I'm there, I meet somebody, I get in a conversation and they repent and give their lives to Jesus. Um, I've had, I've had moments where I've, I've just felt compelled to say something or share something or to not say something. And I have seen God work and move. So I believe that God speaks to his people through other people and that we can be used by God to speak prophetically into the lives of others around us. And this word prophet, we think, oh, that's somebody who's like telling the future. The word prophet just means to speak the word of God. So God could call you to speak his word to your neighbor, to your friend, to your family, to a total stranger. And sometimes that's through a direct word that you know something. And sometimes that's through how you live out your life. I've shared this before, but... Um, my, my aunt uh, had a late pregnancy. So she's in her late 40s and it is an incredibly high-risk pregnancy because in her 30s she had had uh, some health issues and so the doctors say you have to abort this baby. And my aunt and my uncle share the same conviction that I have that life is precious and valuable and it begins at conception. And so they said, no, we will not. And they had to change doctors three times because they were getting such pressure to do so. And as they were at OHSU for the delivery, this is about 15 years ago, as they're at OHSU for the delivery, and literally the head medical minds of the Portland, Vancouver area are in the delivery room for this birth. I believe God was using them to speak prophetically to the medical establishment in our area of the value of human life. And my cousin Katie was born, and yes, she died uh, just, just a few hours later, as they knew she would. because She had what was called trisomy 13. But she was valuable, an image bearer of God. And my aunt and uncle, I believe, and I told my uncle this later, he's not a charismatic person. He's not a Pentecostal person. So I said, I think God had you as a prophet. He was like, no, what? He's far too Baptisty for that, right? And I said, no, you spoke to the medical establishment in our community, to the, to the most influential people in the medical establishment in our community, and you spoke to them the value of human life. And so God revealed to Samuel what was to happen and it wasn't just like, hey, you'll get a feeling about it. There were identifiers. Hey, you're going to meet a man at a certain time. And he's going to have these identifiers. He'll be of the people of Benjamin. 
So verse uh, 17, when Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, this is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. So Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, would you please tell me where the seer's house is? Oh, hey, here's the guy that the Lord says, that's the guy. And then you find out, oh, he's from, he's meeting me at the time the Lord said the day before would happen. And, oh, where, who are you? I'm Saul, the tribe of Benjamin. Oh, and then he's looking for Samuel. Like there's confirmation upon confirmation upon confirmation that this is what the Lord is doing. I am the seer, verse 19, Samuel replied. Go up ahead of me to the high place for today you are to eat with me. And in the morning I will send you on your way and I will tell you all that is in your heart. As for the donkeys that you lost three days ago, do not worry about them. They have been found. To whom and to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and your whole family line? And Saul answered, but I am not, but am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of the clans of the tribes of Benjamin? Why would you do such a thing for me? So what he's saying is my tribe is the least important in my country. It's kind of like saying like my state is the least important in the country. And my family is the least important family in my state, which is the least important state in the country. Why would you do this for me? Verse 22, then Samuel brought Saul and his servant into the hall and seated them at the head of those who were invited, about 30 in number. And Samuel said to the cook, bring the piece of meat I gave you and the one I told you to lay aside. So the cook took it up the thigh with uh, all that was on it and set it in front of Saul. And Samuel said, here is what has been kept for you. Eat, because it was set aside for you. For this occasion is from the time I said, I have invited guests. And Saul dined with Samuel that day. So Samuel had such faith in what God had said that he told the cook, hey, I want you to make an extra portion and put an extra place at the table, and I have a guest coming. Even though Samuel had no idea who Saul was or what was going to happen, he just said, I think this is what the Lord's doing, so I'm going to prepare for it. Verse 25, And they came down from the high place to the town, and Samuel talked with Saul on the roof of his house, and they rose about daybreak. And Samuel called Saul on the roof, and he said, Get ready, and I will send you on your way. And when Saul got ready, he said, he and Samuel went out together. And as they were going to the edge of the town, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go ahead of us. And the servant did so. But you stay here for a while so that I may give you a message from God. Chapter 10, verse 1. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him and said, has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? When you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb. That's uh, Rachel. The mother, which had been very important to, to Saul, the mother of Joseph and Benjamin, one of the wives of Israel. You will meet two men near Rachel's tomb at, Zela, at Zelzah on the border of Benjamin, and they will say to you, the donkeys you have set out to look for have been found. Now your father has stopped thinking about them and is worried about you, and he is asking, what shall I do about my son? Then you will go on from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. Three men... Going up to worship God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats, another three loaves of bread, another three, a skin of wine. And they will greet you and they will offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. After that, you will go to Gibeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. And as you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, timbrels, pipes, harps being played before them. And they will be prophesied. The spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. And once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever 
your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Go down ahead of me to Gilgal, and I will surely come to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, but you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. Wow. So Samuel, in great faith, has already done all this stuff. He set aside a place for a man he knew was coming but had no idea about. He set aside food for him. And that's a huge thing to waste if that guy doesn't show up. But in faith, in what God has spoken to him, Samuel acts. And then as Saul is leaving town, he says, hey, this thing that you're super worried about, the donkeys, which suddenly doesn't seem that important. Isn't that funny how like we'll come to God with this thing that's really, oh my goodness, Lord, what's happening? And then it's not even the most important thing. And so Samuel says, hey, that thing that you were worried about, that's taken care of. And then he anoints him. And Saul would have understood culturally and contextually that was a big deal. And he says, you are the one that's going to rule God's people. Saul would have known that the people had asked Samuel for a king. And here is Samuel anointing him as ruler. Saul knows what that means. But he still has to kind of step forward in it. Just because God calls us to something, just because God says, I've, I've given you this job or this task or this role, you have to step forward in it. God's called you to be a mother or a father, a sister or a brother, a son or a daughter. God's called you to be a neighbor, a friend, a servant. Wherever God has called you to, it's there, but we have to step forward in it. We have to live in the calling that God's given us. And he gives us confirming signs if we're uncertain. Absolutely. Hey, you're going to go down this road and you're going to see three guys and one of them's going to have three goats and three loaves of bread and another guy have some wine and one of them's going to offer you two loaves of bread. Take it. Okay, that's a confirming sign. And then you're going to go to this other place and there will be these prophets and they'll be singing and prophesying and the spirit of God's going to come on you. Walk in that. The, the invitation, the thing to get sidetracked on is all the prophetic stuff like, oh, you know, God told Samuel the future, and then there were all these little things happening. Ooh, that's so weird. And I can focus on that, or I can focus on the idea of walking in the power of God to the thing that God has called me to do. And even if I walk in the power of God, even if I walk in the power of God, I still have to be obedient to God. Go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings there. This is verse 8. But you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. One of the real tragedies in the history of the Christian church, especially in, in the last hundred years in America, is this idea of anointing. And if we deem that somebody has been anointed or empowered by God for a specific thing, then there will be people who will say we will overlook sin and disobedience because they can't be touched. They can't be messed with because God's anointed them so we can't mess with them. And you see it over and over and over again. Just because Saul was anointed by God's prophet and just because God was working in Saul's life and just because there were all these opportunities open up and Saul had obvious talent and ability and charisma and leadership abilities, it didn't keep him from needing to be obedient before God. And we see Christian leader after Christian leader fall into sin. And I, I will tell you, having looked into many of these stories, almost always it's been there for a long time. And no one 
said to them, what you are doing isn't right. And the reason the explosion of the scandal was so big was because it was allowed to fester and grow into something that was huge and unavoidable. You have to, you have to look at it. Saul had all the opportunities and the powering, and the, but as we're going to find out, he didn't live in obedience to God. And that caught up to him. And it'll catch up to us. But we don't have to let it because God's truth is still working and powerful and we can live in the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in Jesus' victory. I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study. All of our podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You just have to search Faith on Hill. Our Sunday mornings are live streamed on our website, faithonhill.com, and videos are available on our Facebook page. My name's Adam. I'm the pastor at Faith on Hill Church. You can email me, adam, at faithonhill.com with any questions. And we'll see you again next time for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study.